2 Corinthians chapter number 9, if you found it and you're able to, let's stand together. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. I'm thankful that you're here today and uh, asking the Lord to be able to meet with us. Bible says in verse number 1, for as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them at Macedonia, that Acacia was ready a year ago, okay, I am sorry, not Acacia, a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. You say, ready for what? Well, you're going to see that. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him, what's that four-letter word right there? Give. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always have an all-sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Yes, if you picked up on it, I'm going to preach on giving this morning. And uh, I'm going to preach on this subject matter, the principles of biblical giving. Let's have a word of prayer, and then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Lord, I do thank you for the Word of God. And Lord, I do thank you that you lay things out for us, give us examples, principles, spell it out, Lord, for our everyday life. And Lord, this subject matter is no different. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us throughout this morning. Lord, if it may be more of a teaching time than a preaching time, Lord, however it may be, I pray, Lord, that you would apply the Scriptures to our hearts and lives, and Lord, at the close of the day, may we simply be obedient to you, and we'll thank you for it now in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I don't know if I should tell you this ahead of time, but next Sunday morning we'll be along the same lines also, and uh, we are starting Missions Conference, and uh, you say, well, what's this got to do with Missions Conference? is every one of the missionaries that we support, we send them a check every month. And so this morning I am going to preach on principles of biblical giving and lay out what the Scripture has to say about it. This next Sunday morning I will lay out what the Scriptures have to say about a separate offering uh, actually going to missionaries and for the propagation of the gospel around this world. And these messages are in preparation for our missions conference. When we go into our missions conference here in another week and a half now, um, we are going after it, asking God for three things. Number one, I'm praying that he would call families and individuals out of our church 
to go to the mission field. If God wants them to go, then, then, then say yes, and let's get them on the mission field and go preach the gospel where God has for them. Second of all, I'm praying that God will burden our hearts more uh, for this cause of missions, not just around the world, but across the street, because at the, at the foundation of missions is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And understanding if we have a burden for missions and uh, that we would see missions, we would, we would pray for our missionaries, we would communicate with our missionaries. And then third of all, and I'll, I'll not hide this whatsoever, I'm praying we'll give more to missions so that we can support more missionaries to be able to get the gospel into more places around this world. But I will say this, that even that subject matter of giving to missions starts with making sure that our finances are right and the biblical principles of missions. So I'm not going to get into the missions giving today, but I do want to look at principles of biblical giving. Now, without a doubt, there is a teaching throughout the Bible about our finances and specifically about our giving of finances uh, to the work of God. Now, this does not take away from giving our time or giving our talents. There were several, and, and what a day yesterday. I was, I was thrilled and thankful and praising God for every one of them. Listen, not just yesterday, but some that were in here on Friday and cleaning the house of God, making the house of God look well. Listen, that's not a substitute for our given of finances, but it goes along with it. Every one of us have talents. Every one of us have time, something that can be used for the Lord. Now, I believe when we're the most balanced of Christians is when these are actually taught across the board and we are balanced in all three of these, okay? And there is Bible teaching on this. And so we're not just approaching this necessarily from a financial issue. Sometimes these only get taught in churches, um, and they're not very balanced about it, that they only teach it or preach it when there's a financial problem at the church. But then you have some on the other side of things that every time the, the pastor gets up behind the pulpit, that's all he's mentioning is money. I believe, and I'm very confident in our walk with God and the ministry here at Granite State Baptist, that I've had people on both extremes tell me this, you don't mention it enough. And then I've had some say, Boy, you mention it all the time. I guess if it's from both sides, I guess we're pretty well balanced right in the middle on where we need to be. Now, listen, no doubt this is part of the whole counsel of God. The Bible does teach this, and it does need to be taught. Listen, not just balance, try to be unbalanced on either side. And uh, I, I've, I've gone back and forth. I've had some say, you know, we just put a box at the back and an offering plate at the back and say, as God's leading to, go ahead and give. I've had some say, we need to start passing the offering plate again and uh, have that part of our worship. And uh, we'll, we'll follow the Lord on what God desires to be done but I will say, it's my firm belief, if we're living for God by the principles of the Word of God, then listen, part of the fruit of living for God and being right with God will be manifest in our giving.
Do you understand, and I'll make mention of this over the next couple weeks, do you understand that actually our giving, according to Scripture, is actually one, probably the only way that I've found specifically listed in Scripture that it says that we prove the sincerity of our love. It's not proven our love because he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But in the subject matter of giving, and we are speaking this morning, just in case you haven't caught on, on financial giving, that it's proving the sincerity of our love and where it comes from with the heart. And so I want to look at the scriptures, and uh, because I found out this, there is a lot of not just unbalanced teaching that there is in churches today, but I've also found out that there's maybe some false teaching when it comes to financial giving at the church. It was mentioned in our group this morning that, uh, listen, there's some that believe that maybe you're in a holding area uh, after you die and your family has to um, pray you out of there. And part of that is also not just praying you out of there, but I went like this. I said, they say, you've got to give your money to the church in order to get them out of there. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I don't trust my family and friends to pray enough or give enough to get me out of there. I'm thankful for the Bible, okay? And I'm thankful for the truth of the Word of God. But what does the Bible say about financial giving specifically to the church? You ever wondered that? You ever sit back and say, what are they doing? Are we just tipping God? Some don't even think about it a bit. I'm hoping you do after today, okay? What does the Bible say? Well, first of all, I want us to understand and look at as we look in the Scriptures that there has been a pattern that has been set, a pattern that has been set. Is there something throughout the Bible that has been used by God down through the centuries that has been used by the Lord to be able to provide for the meeting place of God's people? Well, we do see that throughout the Bible, and it is a thing called, and you've heard this before, this is not a foreign term to you sitting at church. It's on our envelopes, but it's a thing called the tithe. And you say, well, pastor, I'm turning you off right now. There is nobody that's going to tell me what I have to do. I want to look at a pattern that's been set. Now, can I say this? And, and, and uh, I know Sue Maples is here. Uh, she's our financial secretary. John Bunnell is here. Several that help out with the finances. They can attest to this. I have never once walked down into that office and said, I need you to give me a list of everybody in our church and what they gave. You say, why are you telling us that? Because I don't know if you, what you're doing what you're not doing. But I can say this, based upon the authority of God's word, Here's a pattern that's been set. Now, some would say this, and let me just get rid of these these, uh, accusations against that little five-letter word that I just said, the tithe, and some would say, well, that's just implemented, and that's just an Old Testament law, and I don't have to do that. Well, I will say that it was part of the Old Testament law, but if you actually go back and study the Bible, the first time it was mentioned was actually before the Old Testament law, and it was all the way back in Genesis chapter number 
14. Now I'm going to read a couple verses to you back in Genesis chapter 14, and I just want you to see this pattern that has been established that God has used down through the ages. Genesis chapter 14, starting in verse number 17, it says this, and the king of Sodom went out to meet meet him after his return, that's talking about Abram, from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And look at this, and he gave him tithes of all. Now, we could keep reading down through here in the relationship between uh, Abram and then the king of Sodom, the king of Salem, which is Melchizedek. I won't get into all of this, but that is the first time that we see. You say, well, that means that they're given to the king of Salem. Now, understand in Scripture, you get over into around Hebrews chapter 7, and we actually see that Melchizedek, the king of Salem, is a wonderful Old Testament picture and type of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the king of Salem, which is actually originally Jerusalem, okay? He was the king of Salem being mentioned there. Bible says Abram gave him tithes of all that he possessed. You say, what is a tithe? Well, the very definition of the word tithe literally means a tenth part of anything. If you go back and look at Noah Webster's dictionary, he said a tenth part of anything, but appropriately the tenth part of increase. And so what Abram did on that day, when he saw the king of Salem, Melchizedek, he actually paid a tithe that day, worshiping the Lord and gave it through the hands of Melchizedek. And if you look at the word tithe or tithes or the plural form throughout, it's actually mentioned no less than 32 times throughout the scripture. And so this tithe that has been mentioned, this pattern that is established, listen, all the way back with Abraham, then God does bring it into the Old Testament law all the way through it that, listen, the children of Israel, they would come in, they would have their tithe. It would be their first fruits that they would bring in. They would bring it to the tabernacle. They would bring it to the temple. It was 10% of whatever their increase was. Y'all still with me? It was the 10% of their increase. Now, God would have them bring that, and we know according to Malachi that he labeled this place, bring the tithes into the storehouse. And so these tithes would be brought wherever that tabernacle was, that temple, if some lived in different areas, that tithe, that 10% would be brought into that local storehouse. You say, what was that for? Well, to save the time from reading the entire book of the law and uh, what Moses wrote throughout Leviticus, 
Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, it was actually for the ministry of the tabernacle and of the temple to be able to keep that going. Specifically, if you look at the definition of it, and this is what Noah Webster added in his back in the 1800s, he said specifically for the support of the priests and the ministers in the house of God. Okay, and so you say there, there, there it is, right there. You're just trying to get the tithe for your ministering. Okay, now listen. Let's just keep looking at the pattern, the pattern that was established all the way through. You say, well, Pastor, you've already made mention that was Abraham. You've already made mention that was established all the way through the Old Testament law. Can I also make mention of this? And if you want to write these references down, in Matthew 23, 23, and Luke eleven forty two, Jesus is speaking with the religious crowd there, and he actually makes mention of the tithing that they are doing and he did not condemn them for it. In fact, he used this phrase. He said, you bring tithes of this and this and this. And then he paused and he said, which he ought to do. That's what Jesus said of the tithes there in the temple in the first century. He said, which he ought to do. Now, here's the problem. They actually substituted all these good works well, I'm doing this, doing this, I'm tithing, I'm fasting, I'm giving my arm, I'm doing all of this. And the Lord said, yeah, you ought to do all of that. But the problem is you've left, you've left the main part of the gospel and the Messiah, you've left that undone. So he never said you ought not to do that. And so we see this pattern that's been set that God has used over the centuries. You say, well, pastor, if we have that pattern, then why isn't it just, listen, at the, at the door, you come in, hey, I'm checking on your 10%. Did you drop it in? Okay. Because listen, there's a pattern of it, but I want you to see the principle behind this. Okay. The principle behind it. Now, I, John Bunnell, as, as the treasurer, he might not like this statement. He's saying, listen, do you know that there is actually not a thou shalt in the Bible that thou shalt tithe? There isn't. You say, what, what, are, you, what are you teaching there? What, what are you going through? That's why I said, let's look at the principle behind all of this. I've, I've heard many, and, and listen, I, I will say 100%, I believe in tithing. First thing, Listen, since I was a boy, since my wife and I got married, since we've had a joint income, listen, when we got married, it's not this is mine, that's yours. Since we've had a joint income, I'm just throwing that out there, a little marriage counseling right there, okay? That, listen, we became one, God put us together, we understand that, but listen, ever since, you understand the first thing that comes out every month? And it has come out for my wife and I since the day we were married and before we were married is the check to our local church. We wrote it out. That's where it goes. I believe in tithing. I, I believe in it. And, and I'll, I'll say a few more things down through here. You say, well, why do you do that? Because I believe there's principles in the Bible that is based upon this. Okay? Now, there is no thou shalt for tithing. Some would say, oh, yes, there is. Then I would say, okay, let's sit down and look at the Bible. Tell me where it says thou shalt. There isn't. Okay? 
So that's why we set the pattern. Now, let me explain this. There was a meeting place that God had for his people to bring that tithe to be able to assemble together. In the Old Testament, I've already made mention of it, that we had the tabernacle, we had the temple that was established. Now listen, what is God's meeting place today for his people to be able to assemble and gather together? It's what the name very much means is the word church, which means a called out assembly. So this was done throughout the ages. In fact, I want you to see this because it's a great application back in the book of Deuteronomy, and you can write this down and uh, look at the verse if you want to. It is speaking about the tithe, and he's given the example of bringing this in. But in Deuteronomy 14, the tithes being given to the Lord, in verse number 22, it says, thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that thy field bringeth forth year by year, and thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God. Look at this. In the place which he shall choose to place his name there. And boy, I looked at that statement and I said, listen, there is only one building throughout the history, throughout the Old Testament, that the place that God chose to put his name there. In the Old Testament, it was the tabernacle and it was the temple. Now, guess what it is in 2023? It's the church where God chose. Now, listen, that's more, Brother brother Jackson, that's more convicting to me with the testimony of our church that, listen, this is where God has decided and chose to put his name that this is the house of God. This is the house of the Lord. That's why we use terms like that. Jesus even said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. There's something about God's house. And he brings it and he says, this is where, this is the pattern that's been set. This is the principle that's been carried forth. Listen, the tithe was brought to the house back then, tabernacle, temple, today to the church, and it was for the ministry, and I'll even say this, for the priests and the outreach, the ministry of that house of God. That's what the tithe is for. You say, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to bring my, my, my livestock that's okay. Not a problem. If you got 10 cows and you want to bring one, not a problem at all. I can get them down to the stockyard. We'll get it taken care of. Someone last year, listen, the offering was taken up and they get downstairs to count the offering. They start going through it. And listen, I don't count it either. Okay. They got down there. They're going through the offering. They're getting the records. They're taking care of it. Here's a little silver bar in there. Hey, why not? You say, well, I don't have any money. I've just got 10 pounds of gold. Okay, we'll take a pound. I'm just saying it's okay. It's 10% of the 
increase and it's brought to the house of God. And it is for the purpose of the local ministry to be able to be taken care of. You say, what's the local ministry? Here's the principle behind it. We all want to reach out into our community. Guess where those funds come from? They come from the tithes that are being brought into the church to be able to to get the gospel into our community. How many have seen their electric bill lately? Guess what? We don't get a cut on electric because we're a church. Oh no, you're a house of God, so we'll cut that down. No, I guarantee it's three to four times what yours is. Guess what? You say, where does that come from? comes from the tithes that are being brought in. How many enjoyed the nice bathrooms? I won't get into all the facilities and the supplies that are in there. Guess where that comes from? Hey, it all comes to be able to support the local ministry that is here. You say, Pastor, why are you teaching and preaching on this this morning? Because it's Bible. And it's necessary. You say, is there a problem with the finances at Granite State? No, listen, God's taking care of things. But you know something? Just because we might be in a good time at at Granite State Baptist Church doesn't mean we don't preach the whole counsel of God. Doesn't mean we don't preach what the Bible says. There is a principle behind our giving. This pattern that has been set, you say, well, if there's not a thou shalt, then listen, when there's not a thou shalt throughout the scripture, you know what I do? I search the scriptures front to back and say, okay, there might not be a command, but is there a pattern that's been set? Is there something over the years that God has used to be able to provide for his assembly that is coming together to be able to? Now, you say very simply then, okay, what's the practice of our giving? What's the practice? You say, what are we supposed to do? Well, I noticed a few things about this tithe, specifically this pattern that was mentioned throughout the scriptures. You can write this verse down, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse number 23. The end of that verse, here's what it said. It said to bring the tithes in. Listen, here's what he said. That ye may learn to fear the Lord. And I thought, what a statement. You say, well, that's written in Deuteronomy. I believe it's still true today learning to fear the Lord. Now, when I looked at that and said, now why would bringing that 10% into the house of God where he's chosen to put his name, why would that teach us to fear the Lord? I believe it's in this, realizing who God is, realizing that he has provided everything anyway in our lives. Every good gift, every perfect gift, cometh down from the Father above. Listen, we don't have anything in our lives that God hasn't given to us. Well, I'm a self-made man. I I, I work the field. Hold on now. You go ahead and do all the best you can, but if someone doesn't cause the sun to shine and someone doesn't send some rain upon the field, you can do all you want to and all you can in your human ability. I talked to, uh, we stopped at the orchard yesterday, picked up some fresh apples because I didn't have time to run to where. Be able to get some max. I said, is it a good year? I said, with all the water we've had, how is it? He said, you know, it's not just water. He said, but we do need the sun to shine every once in a while, be able to help out with all the water. And I thought, you know, I said, there is a God in heaven. We can do all that we want to do, but realizing that it's all from the Lord. 
and learning to fear the Lord. And you say, well, I understand that, but this is something that, that I can't afford to do. Well, I'll make mention of this. When we learn the fear of the Lord, we understand not just that everything comes from him, but yet his ability to be able to provide for us. And I could, I could stand here right now at this moment and give you time after time after time again when God just takes care of things. When God just provides, God meets the needs. Listen, it says that it's connected to learn in the fear of the Lord. Malachi 3.10 specifically in relation to those tithes, he said, bring them into the storehouse. He said, prove me, see if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And so those people being faithful to their tithe actually was connected to God blessing and God taking care of them. And then we come full circle and get over here to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. You say you're just using that as a jump off point. No, I've still got my Bible open to it. That's where we're coming back to it. Can I say this? That the giving is directly related to whether we want to do it sparingly or bountifully. Now, when I read my Bible, I see that's a choice that we have. We can either sow sparingly or we can sow bountifully. Let me ask you something. Are you going to get more? You say, well, Pat, is this prosperity given? No, it's not. It's Bible. I found out this. If I want a whole abundance of corn, I'm not going to go put five kernels inside the ground and say, okay, I'm going to get 20 bushel. I might get three or four ears if they all come up like that. But you know something? If you go, boy, just spread it spare, spread it abundantly, boy, it's amazing what God's going to do directly related to it. Now, listen, it's not of necessity, verse number seven here, when it comes to our heart of giving, 2 Corinthians chapter number nine, listen, not of necessity... There is no one, never in the history of this church or any church that I've ever been part of, listen, have walked up with a pledge campaign. I've heard of churches and just, I I don't understand how a pastor could do this of walk up and say, you know, you signed a pledge for giving this amount. And I'm just coming by to see if you've, you've done that and if I can pick that up. Now, hold on. That, that, not of necessity. But the Bible says this, God loveth a cheerful giver. Cheerful. You say, you mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand about being cheerful about giving. Well, when it's connected with the fear of the Lord, and we've learned who the Lord is, and we've learned his provision, and we've learned his character, and that over and over, listen, I I will say this, you cannot outgive God in your life. You can't do it. You say, well, pastor, are you going to start standing at the back? No, I'm going to, I'm going to continue on the same way that I have for 10 years. Throughout the week, I'll get a text or an email and say, here's what the offerings were. I don't even know who gave it. That's why I can stand here and say, listen, I, I don't know what you gave. I don't know if you did. I don't know if, 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 if I'm just a freeloading Christian and say I want all the benefits, but I'm not going to invest. Here's what it is. Here's the practice of our giving. I believe that the pattern that's been set, I believe it's a great baseline. And I believe there's some lessons to be able to be learned from it that every person that is connected, let's get it to Granite State Baptist Church, 
that the families and individuals that God has placed here, guess what? I believe God has provided the finances that's necessary to be able to fulfill the ministry that God has for Granite State Baptist Church. I believe that 100%. The families that God's put here. You say, Pastor, how is it going to take place? There's a pattern that's been set. There's principles behind it. Listen, I don't ask my wife, are we going to tithe this month? Are we going to tithe? No. My biggest thing, and I'll confess it right now, is just asking her, did you put it in? I don't know if we're getting to that age that we're forgetting some things. (laughs) Did you do it? Not are we going to. It's not a question. And we just watch the Lord. You say, well, you're the pastor. You shouldn't have to do that. Guess what? Long before I was a pastor, I was a Christian. And I just know that there are some biblical principles that are established. And we see a pattern that's been set, and to the best of my ability... Now listen, tithing is not a spiritual work that gains the favor with God or causes Him to love us anymore. Listen, God does not love you anymore based upon how much you give, and by God's grace, I don't love you anymore based upon how much you give. You don't get a front row seat. If we're giving away the front row seats, then these guys must be great givers in our church right here. The teenagers and the young adults, number one givers in our church. They ought to be. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, that's not what it's about. Every man as he purposeth in his heart. This is where God's put us. This is the house of God where God has chosen to put his name here at Concord and he has united us together. And do you understand? I believe that God should place it in the hearts of each and every one of us. That's the starting point. Now, I'm going to be real careful about the invitation today about just saying this. Listen, are you tithing? Is there a baseline at all for where? Do you understand there was a survey done across our nation? Now, the tithe... Very simply, you say, well, where do you get that 10%? That's literally the meaning of the name. That's, that's actually the, the meaning of the, the def- definition of the word. Do you understand that when they did a survey across our nation of those that are in church, and I don't, I don't necessarily agree with all the research that they do and where they get it from, but it came this. They said the average person sitting in church today, if they give, they give an average about 2 to 2.5% maybe. And, and we sit back and we wonder, why can't we reach this world with the gospel and, and, and do more for the cause of Christ? Now listen, I'm just saying each one of us search our hearts. These are biblical principles that God has laid out. There's a pattern that's been set throughout the ages. There is no thou shalt, but you know as well as I do that once God has our heart, he's got all of us, doesn't he? I don't sit down. I've been some places. We had a man. He's in heaven today. I think he's found out better now. Man in my dad's church, and 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 he would make a big deal out of it. And every time he'd he'd get his (laughs) he'd get his check, and he'd he'd drop that check in the church. And and I'm not lying to you that it would be. I I have no idea. I'm making up a number. Fifty-two dollars and thirty-six cents, or whatever it may be, putting it into the putting it into the offering plate. I don't believe that's how God wants our attitude and our spirit of giving. I believe it's listen. It's the Lord's anyway, and Lord, I'm going to do 
what you desire for us to do. There's a pattern that's been set. If you take that pattern, then wonderful. You say, do I have to take that pattern? I already told you there's a thou shalt, there's not a thou shalt not. But here's what I see from the pattern. Over and over and over through the scriptures, I do see God's provision and blessing and, and providence upon that pattern that was given. So I said, well, if it's worked for those years, then why wouldn't that be a starting point for me? And so that's where it is in my life. That's the teaching of it from the Word of God. Tried to condense it as much as I could. We could take weeks and actually teach on this. But it's a starting point. But I found out this more than anything. God doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts. And I found out when God has my heart, He has everything. And so the point is this, not... I'm not taking a survey today. Are you tithing? Are you giving your 10%? Not checking on that. But I will say this, does God have your heart? If God has our heart, then when we come to things like this in the Scripture, guess what? I'm not going to get upset. I look at it in the Scripture and say, boy, God's blessed that over the years. And if God's blessed that over the years and that's a start, then listen, my family is testimony. You cannot outgive God. You say, Pastor, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't understand all of that. There's some things I've looked at and I've said, you know, I may not understand it, but I'm going to trust the Lord on it. And he's always come through. He's always taken care of things. And I said, I'm just going to obey the Lord and follow him, the principle that he set. You know something? I'm going to practice it. I'm going to practice in my giving and watch the Lord take care of things. But does he have our heart? as every man purposeth in his heart. So let him give. Does God have your heart? After that, finances won't be a problem when we have God. 